As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I'm your host, Aaron, and for this episode, I'm joined by Jamie. Hello, thank you for having me. That's all right, yeah. Um, yeah, so well, well, this is one that uh, I know you've, you've been on before. You're on like the, the intro episode, but this is like your first proper appearance, I suppose. Yeah, we were a couple of back and forward messages on what actual film would fit best for us to discuss, and uh, we settled on this one, so... I have a few others. Yeah, I might be back. I mean, <laughs> hopefully. That's, that's, uh, but yeah, this this is one, I think, a bit of a storied past between me and you, I think. Highly likely, yeah. Yeah, most of the time it was usually telling tell, tell each other about when we got back from the pub and decided to stick it on. Which always thought it was a good idea, despite the fact it's about three hours long. It's it's either one of them occasions where you've got back from the pub, sat down, maybe had another beer when you've got home, and you've thought, oh, "I'm not ready for bed yet. What can I do? I know I'll put I'll put Scarface on." Or you've done something like a gathering around one of the houses. It's got a bit later. Most people have gone home. There's only like three or four left. What should we do? Let's put Scarface on at half ten, eleven o'clock, knowing we're never going to see the end of it. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, like I say, we were just we were just saying before we start before we press record. You know, some of them films I reckon I've seen the beginning thousands of times, but actually making it through to the end is is a lot lot less. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, people will know because it says on the episode title, but it, we're talking about uh, Scarface, the nineteen eighty three Scarface. Uh, yes, Brian De Palma's yeah. Scarface, yeah. not. Not uh, Howard Hawks' Scarface, which it, uh, every rendition gets less and less to do with uh, Al Capone, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this film, like I say, it was released on the 9th of December in the States, 1983, as you mentioned. The number one in the US that day was Say 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 by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Okay. I feel like I should be more familiar with that song than I actually am, to be honest, given the names, but it rings more of a bell when you said Michael Jackson when it was just Paul McCartney was a bit I'm not sure I know that one. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Fair. Um the the number one in the UK was Only You by the Flying Pickets. Okay. The acapella-y cover version he won, wasn't it? I think that... I feel like that was on like a Christmas advert a few years ago as well. Still, even that one feels vague. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the, the number one at the US box office, the, the weekend it opened, or the weekend before, was uh, Terms of Endearment. So, not a, not a particularly... Uh, Happy-go-lucky film going into it, and I think it actually uh, it actually lost out at the, the box office the week it came out to sudden impact as well. Oh right, okay. So yeah, more more Dirty Harry than uh, than, than Tony Montana won at the one at the box office. But yeah, go. yeah. So like I say, um, I mean, my my main memories of this 
film are if I can make it up to the chainsaw scene, I was doing pretty well given our usually I would usually end up watching this. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying that I've probably made it up to the bit where he's sat in the, the bathtub in the mansion on his own a lot of times, as we've already said, and past that point, I've not seen it as, as much, but it's, to me, it's one of them films that's got, it's got that sex appeal from the front cover before you've even seen any of the film at all. And it was always one eyed, maybe not as a kid, maybe in like early teens around that time, I kind of looked at in a collection, probably on VHS to begin with of like, that looks like a film I should be watching, but I know I'm not allowed to watch it. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's, well, I mean, I guess straight off, you've got like that incredibly like iconic um, poster. Yeah. Where it's like the half black, half white, and he's kind of in the middle, yeah. like between the two type thing. And uh, I, I mean, you just look at that and you're like, wow, that's, that's something, you know, you, it draws your eye straight away. So it's always going to be, you know, if it's on the video shelf or you're in Blockbuster or whatever video store, you know what I mean? You're going to be looking through it. You're going to be like, this one looks pretty good. Reckon I could watch this. Definitely. And then your dad's like, no, no, yeah. Definitely. And and as a, as a teenager, um, you know, I was getting into the gangster film genre pretty heavy. Once I'd sort of watched one, I was already 20 deep by the end of that month. Like it was just, yeah, got to consume all them type of films. It was a phase. It was a phase I've never grown out of. Basically, I still watch them now. I, the only difference is I think the older ones are the better ones. So, um, and this definitely is up there. We're in possibly top three, top five gangster films of all time for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I sort of know what you mean as well. I feel like everybody, or at least every boy, I guess, goes through that phase of like you have to watch all of these. You watch probably The Godfather and then Goodfellas and, and all the others. This one's probably the one I feel like um, probably gels quite well with that phase the most. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit more deeper meaning to... So not that this one isn't deep or anything, because you know it's got its themes and everything else, but there is a little bit more going on in, I don't know, Goodfellas or, or The Godfather, like I mentioned, something like that. Than there is with this one. This one's a little bit more. You see what you see is what you get, I guess. Yeah, I think rewatching that, having not seen it for quite a while, as now, you know, an adult, if I can call myself that, um, and a parent and all that kind of jazz. So, watching it now, you <laughs> yeah. think oh, it's not. There's not that much meat on the bones, really. It is what it is. It's enjoyable. I still like it, but it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's one that's um, I mean like you say the, any subtleties are gone with because a lot of people point to this as being when Pacino went less Michael Corley only and more like what he's done for the last 20, 30 years now basically yeah, yeah. since and this was kind of the, the first time he tried that where he's basically just shouts all of his lines and he's got this weird accent that I'm probably going to end up trying to do at some point in this podcast. I was walking around the kitchen doing <laughs> it earlier, so it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll look forward to that later on. That's a tease for people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's one of them that kind of, this is the, the first time he really did that. And whilst I think that's kind of true, it's also like the best he ever did that character as well. Yeah. and what, Wasn't it his, his idea to, to do this film, to remake um, 
that the old film into this one. Um, I'd read somewhere. Yes, that does sound about right. Because I think he saw it and was like, "Yeah, I wanna, I wanna do this, but we'll do it again, kind of like remake, remake it." And stuff. I need to create a character I'm gonna base the rest of my career on, and that's. I feel like it's that film. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be Al Capone. <laughs> yeah, but also Cuban for some reason. In Miami. Weird, because yeah. I was it just <laughs> was it just the was it just the timing, just because of everything that was going on around around the world, well, around sort of Cuba and America at that time. Is it just the timing that they decided, let's make it a Spanish-Cuban crossover Miami thing? I'm not sure, really. I guess, like, it's probably, like, the most of its time film ever, yeah. really. Yeah. Like it's so ubiquitous with everything eighties and and sort of everything that you think of now as being eighties Florida, particularly like, I mean, much further down the line, you end up with something that I'm sure we were probably really into as well at the time of being like Grand Theft Auto Vice City, yeah, huge game and everything, and basically it's all there. Like it's flowery shirts and it's on that Miami beachfront hell even like the mansion in that game is almost exactly like his mansion in the neon signage in the film and stuff exactly uh, yeah and it's all very much pulled from that so the whole thing is like a very specific specific aesthetic that it's that gone point for in time um very much yeah so it feels like it was just very much like in the moment yeah. i guess it's so like you say they've they've gone okay this is what's happening this is where we can set this story i think yeah yeah, and it and it tracks, doesn't it? You know, with with it being in Miami and Florida. I mean, it's count countless tales and stories of of drugs being brought into the country from South America and being part of the route. It's it's all there, isn't it? And I suppose the eighties was was a hot time for all of that. Very much, yeah. Um, probably one of so like. I don't know we we kind of get into it a little bit later on, and we go on about like um, our top fives and everything. And one of the things I sort of half suggested was like top five cocaine films because this is like the most cocainey sort of film going. You know, there's literal mounds of it. People are just doing it left, right, and center. It was all about the smuggling of it, and I'll be honest, there was probably plenty of it going on behind the scenes as well. Quite possibly, quite possibly. Yeah, they are. I think there's literally every other scene somebody is snorting it from somewhere. Um, whether that's blatant, yeah. a big mound of it on the table, or that's a, you know, a little bump when they're sat in the passengers in the car when it's not the passenger even directly in the scene. It's just everywhere. And uh, I'd read that it was a little fun fact that it was baby laxatives that they'd use as the prop for that. Oh, interesting. I hadn't heard that. Do baby laxatives have the same effect as like regular laxatives, just lesser? I didn't even know baby laxatives came in you... that powdered form, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> crush it all up, I guess. It's, uh... Where are they putting it? I'm just, I'm just wondering now. Like, you don't want to be doing. I don't, I don't know what the Palmer was like particularly, but uh, you know, if if it's anything like a Kubrickian sort of, you know, we've got to do fifty takes of this. You really wouldn't want to be messing around with that, would you? No, apparently they did do a lot of takes as well. 
Mm. But you never know, there could have been some, some stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, backstage, green room, and, um, you know, get the party started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, one thing I picked up on quite a bit this time around was, um, I guess there was quite a few sort of that guys in it that I probably hadn't noticed before. Like you'd obviously, you've obviously seen them in, in things that are a bit more iconic since. Yeah. Um, and, and then you sort of realize, Oh, hang on. They're in, they're in this and stuff. And it's like, um, examples being, uh, Mark Margolis, who is famous for being in Breaking Bad. He was the henchman who, yes. Uh, his, his, his drug his drug lord in Colombia or whatever sends him over to like kill this guy towards the end and he's famous for playing um, Hector the, the wheelchair bound guy in, in Breaking yeah. Bad um, and he's, he's kind of quite a small role in this but you go oh yeah he's in this and then obviously there's the Breaking Bad connection because Stephen Bauer plays Manny in this was sort of his superior in the in Breaking Bad as well which is quite a Possibly something that the creators of Breaking Bad have done, and it kind of went over my head at first because I hadn't picked Maybe, up on it. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was quite uh, an unknown name as an actor, wasn't he? Before he got into before he, he was cast in this film. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. This was like his big. Uh, I won't say big break, but it was definitely like his introduction or one of those bigger on the rise roles. So. And apparently, the only actual real Cuban that was cast in the film. Another fun fact I'd read. I went down that route in my research. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> do you want to? You, what are you telling me? You telling me all these people weren't Cuban? Do you do you, <laughs> um, do you know who was potentially in line to play um, Tony Montana and um, Manny? Um, go on. I'll let you. I'll let you. Do uh, you know though? No, guess. I don't actually. Oh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could give it a go. Well, yeah, yeah, you won't be far off. wasn't going to be wasn't going to be De Niro, was it? By any chance, De Niro chance? was was uh, was earmarked for for Tony Montana's role, and uh, for Manny, they were going to try and get John Travolta. Now that would have been interesting. Yeah, a different film. Oh yeah. What was their obsession with trying to get Italians to or American Italians to play? I Cubans. think it was like the closest thing they had to Cubans that could act. <laughs> Presumably anybody who came from like a Hispanic must, background would be there better. There must be more, wasn't there? Yeah. I don't know. There's a reason why Brian De Palma was one of the best filmmakers ever. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here in my kitchen making a podcast, I suppose. True. Um, but no, I didn't. I, I wasn't aware of that. That's... Uh, it's quite a good one. John Travolta would have been interesting. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see I how he played where that. Where he'd have been at that point. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. To, I didn't look, but it'd be interesting to kind of see what film he did that came out before that that kind of maybe made people people think that he could do it, and then what he did afterwards to see what direction he went. Maybe I don't know how serious they were in terms of maybe contacting him about it or anything. Well, it's a tough one, right? Because. He's obviously a few years after his um, Saturday Night Fever and Grease sort of moment that he had in the mid to late 70s. Yeah. I know he's got Blowout with De Palma as well, which would have been a couple of years before this. Do you think that's the connection then? But then like, I think he kind of drops off the, 
the grit then, doesn't he? Till Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction was obviously his big comeback. Yeah. I know he does um, odd things here and there, but like I say, hey, you never know. It, it's, it's possibly one yeah. of them if buts and maybes. But if he did this, he may never have done Pulp Fiction. You don't know, do you? It does feel like that, yeah. doesn't it? That if he did this, then. He doesn't need the big film comeback, so he doesn't get Quentin knocking on his door. Doesn't take the risk, maybe. Doesn't go on to become uh, Vincent Vega. So yeah, that's a sliding doors moment, yeah. I guess. Interesting thread. That film that everyone references, but no one's no one's seen. Um, yeah. So uh, have you got what your sort of? Have you got any other? I guess memory other than only watching the beginning. Other memories of seeing this film before, or. Um. I don't I don't think so. I think because like we've already touched on, I would have like maybe watched something like The Godfather and, and you know, coming from Sicilian yeah. heritage myself, that always like a rite of passage, you've got to try that, you've got to watch it because it's uh, it's the law. Um <laughs> and then like <laughs> They revoke your card on Definitely, yeah. Well um and then you would just progress on to this, but I can't, I can't pinpoint a, a moment in time where I sat and watched it for the first time and thought, oh, this is the film I'm going to watch every time I get drunk forever. Um, I'd, I never had that sort of fleeting moment to think that, but it, it just became, come in, no. you know, it just became, and, and obviously there's so many quotable lines and the accent you can play around with. So as soon as you've had a beer and you know got a friend who's seen it, you're just stupid and you'll just recite the lines, won't you? Definitely, yeah. Are we are we going to get into our our favourite lines then? We can if you want. Well, one thing I will say, as I'd noticed watching it, back, oh. um, it's almost a three hour long film, but. I would say it's like, you know, by this point, if nobody's seen, if there's somebody hasn't seen it, but it's like shot in 15 minute scenes almost throughout the whole film. I don't think there's any, yeah. there's no one point of the film where they're in anywhere or talking dialogue or any scene is longer than sort of 10 to 15 minutes, is it? So, and I'm watching it back and trying to like, take notice and make notes on it. That's very noticeable now. Whereas when I've watched it in the past, being a bit younger and not looking for it and just enjoying it, never really noticed that it, it's like, you know, however many scenes, it's like a, a mini episodic kind of for three hours. That's, that is interesting. I don't, I mean, I, I had picked up on the, you know, it is very like, there's this bit and then it's almost like that's a story and then there's another part of the story and then it, it does chunk it up in that yeah. way. I didn't notice it was quite so sort of well split up. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think maybe you only, cause it does you only kind of notice more so in the second half of the film because it feels like they're trying to cover quite a large chunk of ground because they've realized how long the film's going to be. And they're kind of trying to ra- ram it all into which we've got to finish this film at some point. Yeah, possibly. It it does kind of play into that. That it's it's not so much something I guess we've done so much, but maybe it's something more like I know people have mentioned as being like more of a something like an older generation did. But it's a case of if you ever were going to see this on TV or, or anything like that, 
um, then it's something that would easily grab you because you, like you say, you're only going to be at most 15 minutes into a scene yeah. kind of thing. And then, you know, you can pick, kind of pick up from there. It's going to move on pretty quickly kind of thing. And it always lends itself to being, oh, this is 40 minutes in, but cool. I'll stick it on. I'll watch the next two hours. Or yeah. It. Yeah. Cause yeah, you can kind of pick up for, you know, per scene, any little point in, in the, in the period in, in, in the whole film, can't you? So, hmm. Yeah, I know it's that. It's it's one of them as well. There's um, it's quite funny. There's a there's a on the the Blu-ray I'd got of it. There's a little feature on there that was it was only about two or three minutes long, but it was just explaining how when it came round. Obviously, they have like in America particularly they have like syndication of films and stuff, yeah. and they'll infamously like because it could just show on TV at like three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. Right. So the guy was like, "How are you ever going to get this film through? You know, it's it's." insanely violent it swears every sort of three minutes or so how are you going to get this through and they were like don't worry we'll do it and then it shows you a few examples of bits that they they cut and they just cut round things and and the stubbed in dialogue that they use yeah it was really good i i'm trying to think of some examples now like there's obviously the bit where this drug deal gone bad and he chases him out in the street and shoots him in the head oh it, it, yeah. and it's just kind of like Chases him out into the street. You just see like a, him shooting, and then it's the next thing you know he's jumping into the car, and it kind of just misses like all jump the skips, yeah. the, the gory stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always hate them parts in films because I sit there and I watch it if it's on TV. Not so much nowadays, but when it was back in the day, Sunday afternoon film or something, or Sunday night or whatever, and I always think, oh, they've cut that bit out. I like that bit. They cut that out for. Obviously, there's a reason, but yeah, and half the time they'll they'll do it as well to get some adverts in or something like yeah, that. And yeah, the 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 one I could think of, and I'd got this in um, in the best quotes. And if we're going to get into best quotes, um, and anybody's listening to this with children around, they might want to turn the podcast off for a little bit because it's going to get a bit, bit a little bit sweary. There's a lot of f words in but, Scarface, uh, in case you didn't know. Um, a hell of a lot. That's Certainly. one of the other facts. I didn't write it down because it's too obvious. <laughs> but there's a lot. But yeah, um, the, the one bit is Tony turns around to Manny at one point, fairly early on in the film, and says, this town's like a great big pussy just waiting to get fucked. Yeah, yeah. And in the edited for TV version, for example, he says, this town's just one big chicken just waiting to get plucked. Oh, my God. So yeah, that's the kind of dubbing that they did and stuff. And you go, oh well, you know, I guess it still kind of it's works. Kind of amazing that there's like a, a, a whole generation of sort of teens that might have seen that on a weekend on the TV and and thought and you know recite that line, thinking that that was the the, the best line, and they didn't know until they'd got the DVD or the VHS yeah. afterwards and realised. Yeah, there's definitely a whole world of sort of like examples of that out there that are just fascinating, but. Can imagine that that would be the one that you, maybe even if you taped it off the telly or something, and that's the one that you keep going yeah, back to all yeah. the time for years. <laughs> Wild. You'd be like, "What chainsaw? What are you on about? I don't even remember that in the film. <laughs> it's not even the same film by this point. <laughs> Barely." <laughs> um, so yeah, what, what your what what examples of quotes have you? Got we're just going to jump into quotes because, like, I feel like we're just going to do that for. We're just going to. So I've well, got. We'll keep it brief. We're kind of, we're kind of like <laughs> highlights. I'll start off from like the beginning part that kind of grips you, 
Right. So you've got the bit, obviously, where he's he's detained, isn't he, as a, a political refugee, which is a, a line within itself when he's he says, I'm Antonio Montana, a political refugee from Cuba. And it's just like, <laughs> I was walking around earlier saying that and I can't even try and do it right now there's too many words in that sentence especially with an accent um, but it's the bit where he gets like the assignment to go and take out one of the um, political people for in, in um, to get his to green, green card yeah um, and then that's when he turns around and says I kill communists for fun um, for, a green, for a green card I'll carve him up real nice and when he when you actually see him yeah. do it, he just literally stabs him once and then runs off. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good one, yeah. And there's, there's the um, there's the part where he's getting questioned by the, the sort of police at the beginning. Um, and he just turns around to one of them and says, "Why don't you try sticking your head up your ass? See if it fits." And I've, I've said that loads of times. <laughs> Just, just off, off the cuff, kind of throw it out there. Yeah, brilliant. That's a, it's a great moment. There's always that, that whole scene's kind of ace. It's just focused solely on him as well, isn't yeah. it? And you, you just properly get that introduction to him and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, did you have anything from the so other part? I guess I'm trying to think now, um. Because I've, I've wrote them all down, and then I'm like, hang on, which point? Because, like you say, it's almost that sort of 15 minute chunk segments of it. You're like, is this? There's probably first third, middle third, a couple you know? in every little 15 minute chunk, isn't there? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? So, uh, I guess there's quite a lot, uh, quite a lot for me in that bit where him and Manny are around the, the poolside. Oh yeah, and uh, and and Manny's doing his his little weird tongue thing. And I just love the uh, I love the bit where like because he's obviously like this really kind of horrible character really Tony Montana, but he has this moment where Manny goes up to this girl, and he, he sits down with the kids and he's like just just watch this watch this idiot watch what he's gonna do right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> I love that moment. I, I thought that was great. It, is, it made me chuckle just be, just before that when he does it to him, when Manny does it to Tony and he goes, "What the fuck is that man? <laughs> like a fucking lizard." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That little thing doing in there. I think I think they kind of subtly they don't really go into much like depth into it, but they kind of subtly try and make out as if Tony is okay when it comes to children, and you know what I mean. Like he, he's a bad guy in the film, but don't mess with. But even he's got yeah, his limits. Yeah, he's got some morals around like don't you know the children side of things, but he doesn't really go into much depth, does it? And obviously by the end, it all kind of changes anyway but it's too far too far gone by that yeah point, yeah. yeah and so there's the part in there um with the, just after the chainsaw the guy escapes yeah. and uh the cocaine was in the apartment all the time and it falls out of the suitcase onto the floor and tony runs off after the guy and sh- shouts and goes chi chi get the yayo that made me laugh <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure i've heard that in songs or like you know a skit of a, an album or something feels like every rapper probably put that in a yeah. song for like the, between like 2001 and 2007 yeah. like every rapper put that in a yeah. song um what else have i got i've got the uh i mean this is the one i've probably used the most and like just off the cuff kind of 
Um, and it's a similar sort of bit where I was on about before, but it's Tony and Manny. And uh, Tony says, in this country, you got to make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, you get the women. <laughs> I just, it's just one of them, like, you just throw it out to people and, like, no idea what you're on yeah, about. Yeah. Usually after I've had a couple of beers, probably, as well. That doesn't help. Completely out of context. Oh, absolutely. The... Um... So I like I like the bit with um, when he goes to buy the car. He goes to pick up M- Michelle Pfeiffer's character. Um, yeah, and he turns up in the car and she says, "I'm not I'm not getting in that." And then the next it cuts scene to like a scene in a like Porsche garage, and he's like looking around the car and trying to show off, saying, "Would you like do you like this and all that?" And then he just tells Manny to go and pay for it, and he gets in the car with Michelle Pfeiffer and. Um, apparently, another fun fact: the hat scene in that when he sat in the car, that was a complete unscripted um, thing as well. When he puts the hat there on, is, yeah, there is a moment to that where it does look like they almost break character a you little bit. You see them smile a bit too much, don't you? you know, they seem to just be having too much fun a little yeah, bit for yeah. like these characters. He puts the hat on. Tony, Tony's never puts the hat on, and he goes, "Would you kiss me if I wear a hat?" <laughs> <laughs> feel like that's probably something I would say to Shell quite a lot, and she would probably have the same reaction, actually. <laughs> yeah, laugh and then look away. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> There's the, uh, the, the bit where uh, where Tony and Frank are, and Frank's like, he's like, hey, Frank, you're a piece of shit. He's like, what are you on about? He's like, it's you I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, you fucking cockroach. Cockroach, does. yeah. He says that a lot in the film as well, doesn't Pr- Pronunciation on that, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the one he's, uh, yeah, use that all the time as well. Oh, the, that, that one comes up again in something I wrote as well when he's talking about, he goes, fuck the Diaz brothers. Um, he goes, fuck Lopez, fuck the Diaz brothers. A bunch of cockroaches. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like everybody's a. What's the what's the one he says to uh, to Sosa? I've got two things in this world: my word and my balls, and I don't break any for either. Yeah, man. something like <laughs> yeah, that, isn't yeah. it? I feel like some some parts in the film, he gets that bit really perfect. You know, that kind of broken yeah. English, Spanglish type. You know, the Cuban accent. Um, as you would expect somebody to not quite get it right. And then other parts, it's like very clean and like, which I understand obviously it's for people to understand him talking in the film. It has to be, but um, there are just little parts in there that are like that, that would, that would just be what you would expect somebody to to sound like in his position kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, definitely. He has that sort of, I say that sort of, Somebody who, whose native language isn't English yeah. kind of moments, doesn't he? Yeah. For sure, yeah. Go, uh, yeah, you got any, any? I mean, like I say, I know you've got more because we could probably sit here and re- have to recite the whole film, but any more that you want to bring up? Um, there's Every Dog Has His Day. Which is a pretty good one. And, and Yeah, and then he goes on his little rant. Uh, in the jacuzzi scene or the bath scene, whereas he's like, who put this together? Me. 
who do I trust? Me. <laughs> I don't need anybody. Um, and then the the other, I think the other one that stuck out. Uh, I got two. Got two more. I'll give you one. Go on. Yeah, yeah. When, when they're drunk at dinner and there's all the like, fancy restaurant and there's rich people about and he's like, clearly he's just not with it and he's getting increasingly annoyed with being around these people, um, the people that he's yeah, so yeah. wanted to be associated with in terms of money and power. Um, and he just stands up because they're all looking at him. He's made a show of himself and he says, you need people like me so that you can point the finger and say, that's the bad guy. And I feel like that's Yeah, I kind of like that. He has that kind of... I feel like that's been used before in something else as well. And I've... Quite possibly. It's also like nearly as deep as this film gets. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, like, yeah. That, you know, he's the... He knows he's an asshole, but he also knows his place, I guess, in yeah. the, the pecking order. Of yeah, things. that was more one of them lines where you think, actually, that was quite nicely written for the, for the film. It wasn't just a funny throwaway load of Fs in it type of line. Um, yeah, definitely. Unlike my next one. <laughs> which is when he's with the henchman guy and they go to um take out the, the the is he a politician or is he just somebody who's a journalist or something and he's 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 basically meeting with governments and at the embassy to um to discuss like this traffic this drugs trade and where it's coming from and they want yeah. him, they would send him to go and get get rid of him so he can't have a meeting and discuss it anymore and um didn't realize that his kids are with him and his wife get in the car and then they're following him yeah and as they're following him and they've got this bomb under the car and these the henchmen sat in the passenger seat like just tunnel vision on this car like get closer get closer because i need to detonate the button when it gets to a certain point and and so tony's sat yeah. next to him driving just getting more and more wound up and het up like this isn't the plan. This wasn't the plan. I told you no kids, no women. And he's just getting more and more wound up. And all of a sudden he just shoots the guy in the head and then just turns around and goes, I told you, don't fuck with me. Look at you now. Stupid fuck. <laughs> and it doesn't sound as good without the accent, but I don't, I don't want to make a fool of myself on your podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, that was, that's a definitely great one. That one is that, sort of whole build up as well to that moment of like, it's that weird sort of Coke paranoia that he's got as well at that yeah. point. Um, and like I say, it put, plays into the theme that he, he doesn't mess around with kids. That's not his business. It's not where he wants to be. Um, and like I say, then Mark Margolis takes one between the eyes, doesn't he? And yeah. kind of, kind of all goes downhill for Mr. Montana after that yeah. point. The, uh, the last two quotes I'd got, and again, this was like, I don't know if this, this can't have been where this originated, but um, I know we haven't mentioned um, Michelle Pfeiffer yet, uh, okay. who was another reason why we really liked watching this when we were teenage boys. I'll just say that. This and Dangerous Minds <laughs> and Batman. Batman, yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. It was a big, big Michelle Pfeiffer. Good times. <laughs> but yes, so, so she has a, a line as she plays Elvira, and it's "Don't get high on your own supply." Ah, yes. Which I did, cannot 
cannot originate in this film, but either way, it's probably where I heard it first. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then um, lastly, it's fitting that this is the last one. You can't like go through top quotes of this film without being like, "Hey, you want to you want to fuck with me? You want to play rough? Okay, say hello to my little friend." Yeah, yeah. I didn't write that one down because I just felt, I felt like we were going there anyway. Um, yeah, it's always going to come out. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's Scarface, isn't it? Really, we've. Uh, I don't know if you've got any any other notes you wanted to. Um, not really, because kind of like in with all my favourite sort of sayings throughout these different scenes, I'd kind of made small notes around sort of like where we are within the plot of the film, but we're not going to go through it scene by scene. I feel like we've we've kind of summarised it quite well. There's not sort of too much in depth we could go on there. I've, I mean, I've got one more fun fact for you. Go on, go on. Apparently Steven Spielberg shot one of the scenes, directed one of the scenes as well. Oh, that's he'd, interesting. He'd, pop, Which he'd, he'd gone in to, to see um, De Palma, I think, and, and just like stopped by to say hello or whatever. And uh, while he was there, he just ends up directing a scene. And it's the part where um, where, where all the Colombian gang are coming to the ban- mansion to assassinate Tony, basically. And it's the bit where right, yeah. you throw the rope up and the guy's climbing up the building to the balcony. Apparently that, just that bit. It's not even five minutes, is it? But yeah, apparently he, feel, he no, directed no, that no. part. No idea why. I guess like if you're going to have like Spielberg come to your set or whatever, you'd be like, hey, Stephen, what are you up to? Just do you want to go? Just, just do this for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go? <laughs> yeah. That, that was, uh, yeah, I've just found that a bit odd because like, even when I was reading it, it didn't give me any more description around how and why and whatever. But um, yeah. I mean, I knew they were, they were friends, right? But I, I guess maybe, yeah. maybe that's just what they did back then. It'd be then. a bit weird, that, wouldn't each it? Other out and... Like if I came to visit you at work, um, you know, I could just watch what you were doing and sort of admire you doing your job. In you, you know, in your habitat that you're in all the time, you wouldn't turn around to me and go, "Do you want to go?" Or I just turn up and go, "Can I? Can I? Can I do that bit?" Yeah, but a bit, bit presumptuous to call yourself the Steven Spielberg of what I do for a living, though, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet. I you suppose. Know, like I, if... I suppose it's a bit like if you worked in the trades and you're supervisor turned up or your boss turned up or you know the guy who doesn't really get too hands-on with you in your role but when he turns up he's like oh you do it this way or yeah yeah, yeah. you don't say no to him getting involved type of thing (laughs) but then you just turn around and be like just do this little bit with none of the none of the main characters and (laughs) <laughs> yeah it'd be like back a bit of second unit work for um, Stephen. back in the day when i was painting houses it'd be like oh could you just paint behind that um drain pipe where no one's gonna ever see yes <laughs> yeah but like getting like i don't know i can't think of a famous artist who would have still been going around that recently but you know famous painter just to come in yeah just just knock us that last bit off yeah, that last corner yeah yeah uh, wild, but yeah, like you say, I suppose it must have gone on. Um, and and short of, you know, keep keeping this to not being a three hour podcast, we've probably 
probably could round off on Scarface there, I reckon. But yeah, I think we've fair to say that it's equally formative for both of us. I think. Yeah, and, and I think you know, unless you're going to do a play by play of every scene and and take three hours and dissect it, I mean, I don't feel like we, I don't feel like we wanted to do that. That wasn't the. That's not the aim of the no, podcast. but I so. feel like we. Uh, I feel like we did a good job just by reciting all our favourite lines. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a bit more, obviously, we've just kind of skirted over Michelle Pfeiffer's character a little bit, didn't we? But um, there's a bit more to her character, obviously. She's in a relationship with a drug lord to start with, who then kind of Tony comes in, muscles in on his patch, takes over, ends up taking his woman at the same time. And she seemingly just goes along with it. And Yeah, I've got to be honest, she didn't seem too upset when, when Frank gets killed, but then she doesn't seem all that into Tony either. No, no. Just like kind of along for the ride for, you know, easy life and maybe. She sort of and takes off for the last half hour of the film. Yeah, she? well after after that restaurant scene where he has a bit of a go at her, doesn't he? And sort of shows her up in front of all these uh, posh people. She's a bit like I'm going to tell you what I think, and then that's it. We don't really see her again, and it's just him sort of oh, face it. down in a pile of white powder uh, for the rest of the film until he gets shot. Yeah, pretty much. Or are we saying that uh, Elvira probably won the film then? Yeah. she probably come off the best. Probably, hey, they've never done like a sequel, have they? Like a follow-up where she's, you know... Because I think she's the only one who survives. That's the problem. I know, but it could, it could like... <laughs> skip over to her off the coke you know family, like um picket fence picket fence little house in the country <laughs> you know a nice film i mean you talk about a sequel as well i don't know if you ever remember they did make a a video game yes was there a, was that around 2001 2002 was it on playstation 2 I think it was PlayStation 2, possibly a little bit later, but around then anyway. And the whole premise of the video game was that Tony survived the end, basically, yeah. and he has to like build himself up again from scratch. And that's like, you obviously play as Tony and you have this, that, and the other. And I was like, what a weird premise for a guy who got shot like a million times. Yeah. And like, there was no way he was surviving that. That's literally the whole point of the film is that it was his downfall at the end as well. And you're like, what if that didn't happen? I'm like, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember the story of that game, but I remember that game being a really, like something we thought was a really amazing game. It was like pre, was it pre Grand Theft Auto? It would, no, it would have, would it have been around Grand Theft Auto 3? It would have been after three, wouldn't it? Or whether it was after Vice City, I'm not sure. Or maybe it was just riding the coattails of Vice and City, it was, bringing that back up again. It was like pre the Mafia games, I think. Yes, I think it was. Because we were like, this is a really good game. And then obviously Mafia comes out that does it a lot better. And then Grand Theft Auto just takes over and carries on like so. But yeah, I do remember playing It was playing uh, that. 2006, actually. So it was a bit it was later late. than we thought. Yeah, I thought it was earlier. But yeah. It's very like in that Vice City San Andreas type mold of a game, anyway, but just not not nearly as good. Yeah. In hindsight, <laughs> but we probably played it because you really like those games as well at the time and everything probably, else. But yeah, yeah. So well, then we'll we'll move on. We we didn't do top five uh, cocaine films in the end, but I was like, well, we could do. What about top five films set in Miami? Yep. 
um, which sounds great. And then like it's a little bit more difficult to research than you think without necessarily having to go back and watch all of the films. Definitely, yeah. But that being said, um, I managed, we managed to get five, I think, in the end each. So what was your what was your number five? Number five, I go pain and gain. Interesting. Okay. Do you yeah. know that one? That was with... Um... Yeah, it's the uh, Michael Bay, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Who, who fond of Miami, because he has another, another couple of films yeah. in there. It's The Rock it's and Marky Mark, isn't got it? has The Rock, Mark Wahlberg, and is it Anthony Mack? Mackie? Oh, yeah. Is yeah, it Anthony him? Mackie. Is that the name? Uh, I forgot he's in it. He's the, the guy from the Marvel films yeah, as well. Yeah, so they play like bodybuilders um, fronting a, a drug racket, I think, again. It's in Miami. They're... Yes, I think to remember that. Yeah. yeah, it's very Miami. It's all like, you know, vest tops and huge muscles and stuff, isn't it? Especially with the rock on, on the screen. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of Jim Bro film, isn't it? But um, I think there's much, a bit yeah. of humor in it, a bit of comedy. I think I've maybe seen it a couple of times, but not, not recent. Um, I don't really need to see it again, particularly. But that was that was one that I had on my list. So I went for that as a, as a kind of number five. Yeah, I think I was about the same after Variety my first viewing of it, I was like, okay, I, I get what it's going for. It's just, it, I don't think it was quite as good as I wanted it to be. Um, given where we were at with like the rock and, and everybody. If it had come out now, I'd probably expected it to be about that good. Given how yeah. the rock's been doing recently. I, but, I thought, but yeah. thought maybe it would be a bit more comedy than it was. It was a bit more cheap laugh than it was any, anything more than that. Yeah. That's fair. My uh, number five, I picked Wild Things. Okay. Um, that, that was another one. So that came out in the late 90s, so I probably watched it. I probably, probably watched it as a teenager, to be honest, because it's got uh, Neve Campbell and Denise Richards kissing each other in it. <laughs> There's a lot more to the film, but that was the reason why I was watching it when I was about 14 or 15. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they um, are, but they yeah, are it, two very 90s names, aren't they? <laughs> Yes, yeah, they very much are. I mean, to be fair, the male leads in it are Kevin Bacon and Matt Dillon, so it doesn't get much better on the male side, I guess, either. But a very sort of twisty, turny kind of... Yeah, I just had a quick search to see which one you're on about because I thought I knew which one it was, and I wasn't sure, but yeah, I've definitely seen... I think think I've seen the film, but I've definitely seen it sort of advertised somewhere, you know, like when you... Reference. It's another one that's quite a famous poster with them sort of in the in the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, like, yeah. Could well be one of them films. You know, I've said to you before, uh, my wife's favourite genre would be like that kind of early noughties, like slasher thriller type films. So it could be one she's watched yeah, and I haven't seen it fully type of thing, you know. Possibly, yeah, because it's very much in that. I mean, I don't want to give it away for anybody who hasn't seen it because I think it has to be seen, it has to be experienced as a film. Yeah. But it's very twisty, turny, sort of. There's a plot that 10 plots deep and, and all this kind of okay. thing is. An interesting one. Maybe I should have else. paid more attention to it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, 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 I think I'd watch it again. Not for the same reason. Well, Partly for the same reasons as I watched it as a fourteen-year-old, but but also because I think it's it's actually an interesting film. Okay. So yeah, um, your number four then. Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. 
Okay, cool. I had that a lot higher on my list. So we, we can do it now if you want. But uh, yeah. yeah, we'll do it now. That's got um, it's got the henchman in as well. He um, plays the landlord at the very beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, um, so, I mean, if, if anybody doesn't know what an Ace Ventura film is by now, where the hell have you been for the past however many years? 25, 30 odd years, but... Um, kind of, yeah. And, you know, f- for me, absolute gem of a comedy film that I probably watched far too much as a kid but you know you know when you get that kind of crossover where you can watch a film as a kid and enjoy it but your parents are also watching it and enjoying it for themselves not just because it's for one or the other so like they're picking out yeah, bits that it you're does missing like it's it is very um it's very goofy kind of oh, thing. Yeah, it works yeah. for kids yeah. but also there's like I mean, there's some jokes in there that definitely wouldn't be getting. No. Particularly how he takes payment for his first job or something like that, that you probably aren't going to be getting as a kid kind of thing. Yeah. And the yeah. the the bit where his character and um, Courtney Cox's character um, with the, the music kicks in and then the, the, the birds are dancing in the background, like, you don't really get that as a kid, what that is. Yeah. No, not a clue what was going on then. <laughs> Also, like after, as I've sort of I've grown up, I've become uh, like as a kid, I wasn't an NFL fan, but I've become an NFL fan as an adult. So then, the whole Miami Dolphins, Dan Marino thing, kind of made, makes me laugh a bit more as well. Works on another level for me there. That's probably the, one of my first experiences of NFL. You know, seeing that as a kid. Um... But, but yeah, so I knew the name Dan Marino before I even knew what, what NFL was, what American football really was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were like, you could always name one NFL team, right, from yeah. years and years ago, and that's because they stole the Dolphin from Miami. So you were like, all right, Miami Dolphins <laughs> then, yeah. Um, so my number four, I picked uh, One Night in Miami. Okay. Again. Pretty easy one to get, given the name. It's the uh, directorial debut of Regina King, who people will probably know from Boys in the Hood. She plays one of the, the, the women in that. She's in um, If Beale Street Could Talk fairly recently. And she was in the, the Watchmen TV series as well, that, again, was quite recent. She's been quite a lot of things. But, yeah, this was her, her first um, directing gig as such and the idea is that after uh, Cassius Clay as he was back then beat Sonny Liston um, he sort of has this night where him Sam Cooke Jim Brown and Malcolm X all kind of go off to this this hotel room and kind of just shoot the shit a little bit but they kind of decide what's they put the world to rights effectively but with it being like four icons of the time black icons of the time it's quite an interesting play. It's originally a, a play as such, but um, yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting way that they play it between the, the four of them. I thought it was really, really good. And it's kind of obviously everything you know about how all four of them men, how their lives play out from this point. Right. You know, some some goes a lot further than others and it kind of plays that into the, the film as well. It's quite a good, really good film, I thought. And uh, It's one that's completely... Uh, 
I've completely missed. Um, not seen anything on that whatsoever, but just obviously, as you've been talking, kind of like just like searching for it. I know it's on the Prime, so I might have a look at that. Yeah, I think it was one of those that kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think it came out 2020, so yeah. like pandemic year, people weren't going to the cinema. It was so it was how else could you kind of get hold of it and things like that. Um, and it was on a streaming service for a while, but like I say, I think it's on Prime now. So yeah, it might, it might have even been Prime all along. It might have been like an Amazon release thing. I can't remember to be honest. Um, but um, yeah, distributed by Amazon Studios. Now oh, well, there you go then. So yes, we'll go with I'm that. I'm going to have a look at that, actually. Yeah. Yes, would recommend that one. So that moves us on to your number three. Miami Vice, the film. Oh, okay. 2006 film. Um, yeah. With Jamie Foxx. Uh, yes, Michael Mann. Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell. Yeah. Um, which I haven't seen recently. I don't remember it being that much of a overly good uh, adaptation in in film film terms. But um, also another long film, I think. So, yeah, I, I I mean I've saw this one fairly recently, probably within the last couple of years, I reckon. Right. Um, has a very similar motif because it's got one point i think colin farrell and his girl he's trying to date they go to cuba on a speedboat for mojitos surely there are better ways to get mojitos in miami than getting a speedboat to cuba but whatever yeah um yeah i mean i i didn't i didn't really like the film too much it but uh it was very miami and and like say michael mann had a hand in creating the tv show as well didn't he oh right did he Okay. Yeah, I think he was one of the one of the original sort of writers, directors on it way back when in the eighties. So like when they remade it, obviously he was first up. It's an interesting film for certain, but um, I think I've got it on DVD somewhere, and I've maybe watched it once. It's one of them films. Fair. <laughs> I say I think it is quite long, so it's probably something that you're not going to be chucking on. Two hours twenty six. For a film that I don't, not when you've got it, I don't rate that well. It's not. Commit. I'm not going to go back again, am I? That's it. When you've got to commit three hours to watching Scarface as well, you know. I know. It's... I know. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I thought that was a safe bet for for film set in Miami, though, because it's quite clearly it's a bit like Scarface, Very, it's a bit right yeah. on the nose, isn't it? Exactly. And to be fair, my my next one, my number three, uh, very similar. Is it's a film called Miami Blues. Yes. Uh, one one I wasn't particularly aware of up until quite recently, to be fair. Um, and that was because it came out on uh, the new Blu-ray label called Radiance. Okay. Um, and so I've been picking up there. I think they do a really good job. It's uh, Alec Baldwin and Jennifer Jason Lee, um, the two leads in it. Basically, Alec Baldwin character gets out of prison and basically decides to, like, try and like take over Miami because he starts like just just committing crimes left right and center um he Jennifer Jason Lee plays like a the call girl with a heart of gold type thing and they can she kind of falls in love with him and then um 
but she doesn't really see him for what he is because he's just an out and out scumbag basically. Right. And then there's also this really down on his look um, uh, police sergeant played by Fred Ward, who is definitely of that guy. Like the name might not necessarily mean anything to you, but you look up a picture of him. You've seen him. And you're like, oh yeah, I've seen him in 10 things. Like, um, but he's just kind of really like, you know, put out police detective who's trying to chase him down. And and, uh, so, yeah, that was one that I watched quite recently. And I thought like, it's not the best film you're ever going to watch, but it's also just quite a fun uh, It's It's 90 five minutes long i think so it moves along at quite a clip as yeah, well yeah um so yeah quite an enjoyable film not one i've seen but looks very much like it was made in 1990 yeah yeah it kind of is yeah it very much is i could definitely see in it being one that me and my wife would be sat of a saturday evening we've planned to sit and watch a film but we haven't planned which film we're going to watch and we scroll through hundreds of films yeah. and we just go, well, what about that one? I can see it being one of them type of films. Yeah, it definitely is. It's like, it's not one that you're going to have down all week that you're yeah, like, well, yeah. we, I want to watch this this week. But it's also one that you're like, well, or, you know, if you, if you come, like, like I say, back in the day, kind of thing, you'd come across it and you go, this is starting in the next 10 minutes. Well, it looks, looks pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah we'd watch that. Read, read what it's about and just think, well, I'll give it a try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what what have you got at your number two number two I've got True Lies which is an Arnold Schwarzenegger film interesting yeah again going back to when I was a kid I remember seeing this quite young um, yeah probably one that my uncle had put on at some point um, and I'd stayed up late one night for whatever reason being at the weekend or whatever and he just said this is a good film probably the same way I saw Rambo and Rocky and all the other type of films um, yeah yeah so yeah Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it he plays a um a, like a secret agent in in the film so his his life is quite a secretive one um and he's finding out that his wife is having an affair because she is going through a bit of a midlife crisis. It's a bit of a role reverse type thing. Um, it comes out, when did this come out? In 94? Action comedy? Yeah, I was going to say that's early 90s, isn't it? Yeah. Um, is that... It's it's Jim Cameron just coming off of Terminator 2, isn't it, at the time? Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of done that and then he's, he's well, kind of picked up this. And it's, it's Arnie as well, Arnie, you've moving got... more into his comedy. He kind of straddles both roles a little bit, but he is he is the out and out action hero, really, isn't he? So you've got Arn- Arnold, the, um, Harry Tasker, which is the main guy, he's the secret agent. You've got his wife, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and you've also got Tom Arnold in there, who is yeah. the secret agent's buddy. Uh, he's like, but he's the funny one, isn't he? And then you've got Bill Paxton as well. Yeah, definitely, in there. he's there for the for the laughs, definitely. And yeah, great. Great uh, Bill Paxton role. As well. He's a good role for I Bill Paxton, isn't it? To be fair, very much. And he, when he takes him to the the dam yeah. and threatens that he's going to kill him, and he shoots at the floor and makes him wee himself, and then drives off and leaves him. Yeah, and then he yeah, it plays into yeah. that. Uh, and he comes back. He comes back and sees him a couple of days later, and he's bragging about how he didn't do anything to him and all that. <laughs> and he 
Yeah, they could they couldn't get me and yeah, all this. Craps himself yeah. when he turns up again. <laughs> I think that's a definitely one that I like. I say I must have seen it quite young as well. I think it's 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 kind of. I think there is that comedy element to it, um, but so it's not like some of the, I guess, like harder edged Arnie uh, action films from the eighties and stuff. Like I can't imagine watching predator or anything at that no, age no. so it's not quite as as hard action as sort of then but but then it's not as daft as uh like kindergarten cop no. or anything like yeah, that either it. so it does it does kind of like like you may sort of straddle that line between the two of them quite well and there's a couple of sort of funny lines in it that he does which and then there's other parts where He's been he's been drugged and given the truth serum as a need for them to try and get the secrets out of him, and he's playing along with it, and it's not actually had an effect on him as much as they thought it had. And then after that, he just goes on Arnold Schwarzenegger action man mode and just runs through bullets and just seems to kill everyone without you actually seeing him killing anyone. Everyone, and that's a real big action sequence. After that, it's it's quite good. Yes, I agree. Maybe it's yeah. nostalgia, but I think it's quite um, good. I no, I think it's definitely. I think it is definitely like a, a cut above a lot of those kind of films that you would associate it with. Yeah, yeah. And as a as a young, as a young person, like early teens, that watching it, there's a there's a Jamie Lee Curtis scene where she's dancing in the hotel room, which is very interesting as a young man. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was the one who brought up Wild Things and Michelle Pfeiffer, so I wasn't going to bring it up for this yeah. one, but it was. I was thinking yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah, you sit on the sofa if there's if there's Adults around you tend to put a cushion over your lap because you're <laughs> yeah. a young man and things happen, you know. <laughs> they do, yeah. Um, I, I mean, at number two, for me, I had, um, I had, this is where I had Ace Ventura, okay, yeah. Detective. If, so probably should be higher, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Largely, my rankings are that two to four, two to five probably is all. You could you could switch yeah, them around yeah. in it various different ways. I think for me, um, so I guess that leaves us with your your number one. Yeah, my number one is Bad Boys. I did wonder if you're going to say that because that was the other sort of Michael Bay kind of bring, <laughs> brings it back into into Miami. Yeah, I just think that's. For a start off, I really like it. I think it's a really good film. Bad Boys 1. Bad Boys 2 is good as well, but yeah. I think it's a really good film that just does it well. Just covers the whole action, detective, comedy, all elements with the act, you know, Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence as well, both great in it, aren't they? I think I really enjoy it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot to be said to me, really. It's Another one of them that I probably watched. I probably watched it around when it came out, I reckon. Because what's that like? No, maybe 95. not. When was that? Would have been okay. Yeah, no, definitely. An entry not. point maybe for us might have been Bad Boys Two, and then we've gone back to watch the other because that was two thousand and three. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right then. Because I probably would have that would have come out, and you go, oh, oh well, I'll, I'll watch the first one kind of thing first, and you go from there. Um, so I was just going to say that would have been like smack bang in the middle of like downloading films became something that was possible, not entirely legal, but it became possible. 
Yeah, yeah, so you, yeah. That's so true. You might have got access to Bad Boys Two, and also by default got Bad Boys because that was a thing that you could do. That was what you were picking up mm. on. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, maybe that was it. Um, and I just remember the sort of like, you know, a lot of like um, Martin Lawrence's lines and stuff that you kind of pick up on, and it would be something that you could quote endlessly, like like we have said with you know. All the others and stuff like Highly that. Highly quotable so, film, yeah. Kind of, and the whole Mike Lowry thing. Much, leaning a bit more into the Mike Lowry and Woosa, <laughs> Woosa. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's it's a good pick, and like you say, definitely the best of the what three that they've done now. Yeah, yeah. They seem to decline in quality mm. a bit, um, but yeah. I think that the first one stands out still pretty well. I, thought, I like it. I thought it was pretty good. So, um, so what did you get for number one? So my number one, I picked uh, "Out of Sight" by Steven Soderbergh from nineteen ninety eight, which is George Clooney and, and Jennifer Lopez. Then there's like a whole host of um, like great other people that are in it, like Ving Rhames, Don Cheadle, uh, Luis Guzman's got a small role in it where he plays basically the same role he plays in almost everything yeah um but yeah that's sort of a great he's um Clooney's like this really smooth talking obviously like really cool uh criminal basically and he like breaks out of prison and then Jennifer Lopez is the FBI agent or whatever that's tasked with tracking him down but it's, there's a kind of like will they won't they yeah yeah they might fall in love they might kill each other type thing about it that's like really kind of it's just cool i guess is the only real word you can use to describe it um but yeah it's, it's a great film it's this kind of really good thriller and also there's a moment in it that i really love because it's um michael keaton is in it and he plays the same role uh ray nicolette as he plays in jackie brown all oh, right okay now he's, he's only very small in this obviously he's, he's way more in, involved in jackie brown but it sort of goes and she goes, oh, this is, these are the same, uh, you know, it's the same world yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's one. I mean, if anybody hasn't seen Out of Sight, I would highly recommend that. It's the sort of will they, won't they, opposites attract type thing, but just just really, really cool. And that, like I say, there's hundreds of different people that you'll, rec- that you'll recognize, probably even not even as that guys, it's just they are whoever they are at this point. Yeah, they just pop but, up. Um, yeah, Viola Davis is they, in it as They well. pop up and I've got a... Yes, as another good one. Um, so yeah, yeah, that would be... Interesting. My, uh, my favourite Miami film, I think. I think that's quite a so, uh, varied uh, list between the two of us. That's quite all right, I think. I think so, yeah. Um, did you have... You say you had, so you had six on your list. What was your honourable mention? Um, it was, Sorry, it just... was a wild card. And okay. it was deep throat. <laughs> that, that, okay, that would have made it a more varied list, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. So um, that kept popping up on every search I did for top films like set in Miami. Um, and I, I believe it was filmed at various locations around Miami and Florida and different mansions and et cetera and et cetera. So, um, yeah, I didn't include it for reasons that are obvious. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair. Okay. Um, I was going to say the only other um, 
But the only other uh, honourable mention I had, and I feel like it's probably going to be quite a good capper to this, was uh, Any Given Sunday. That did come up a couple of times as well. Yeah, I did look at that because I thought it's quite on the nose in terms of it's a fictional set, a fictional team set in Miami, isn't it? But I don't think... They were the Sharks instead of the Dolphins. I don't think I've seen it, so I didn't feel overly confident in including it in the list, in my list. Yeah, it was one of them that I was like, it's probably, yeah, it's not the best film. It's just a decent enough sports film, but it's also got Al Pacino doing a sort of hoo-ah type, you know, <laughs> it's out there personality. Uh, okay. So, uh, so yeah, kind of rounds it off quite nicely for the Scarface chat as well. Yeah, that's a, uh, that is a good um, sort of bonus pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I reckon is it would be an absolutely amazing sort of Sunday afternoon film. Yeah. It's possibly even like, it's, it's a bit Mighty Ducks, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. It's like, a bit, maybe a bit older. I guess a little age, bit more grown up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, but not too far from it. It's got that very sort of similar vein to it, but yeah. Yeah. Um. So nice. yeah, that, that rounds off our lists. Um... We're at the the point now where you can give your your plugs for your. I can plug away, can I? Okay. Yeah. Yep. So you can find me at uh, Talking Dad UK on social media, and the Talking Dad podcast, where we've got all sorts of dad-related parenting content, um, and we are just about to get into recording our first collaboration on Tales from the Social Club, which is part of my Jamie's Man Cave channel, so Jamie's Man Cave on Instagram, and that's all to do with beer, beer industry, beer brewing, beer reviewing, silly stories about beer. Um, yeah, so we're going to start that podcast in about 10 minutes as well. Yeah, I 100% reckon that'll be up before this episode, so uh, people can go and check that out now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, well, uh, that's brilliant though. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was actually really good to sit down, watch something, make some notes, do a bit of research and have a bit of fun with it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I have to work on the rest of my list of films I can come back and talk to you about. Yeah, I was going to say, we're definitely getting you back on at some point. So uh, we'll, have, we'll have a think and we'll, 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 we'll come up with something else that effectively won't just be us sitting there quoting it back and forth at each other for half the podcast. But there you go. It will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. See ya.